0: Shut up!
1: Welcome to Enter VR and Happy New Year to all of you out there who are listening to this podcast, all four of you. Thank you again <laughs> for joining me. I'm Chris Miranda, your host. And today I'm speaking with Orion Bucantis. He's the co-founder of Logical Increments. And Orion, first of all, thank you for coming on board, and Happy New Year. Thanks for having me, Chris. Happy New Year to you and all the listeners out there. All four of them. Uh, so, <laughs> Orion... Tell me about uh, logical increments. What is it that you guys are up to?
2: Well, uh, let me start when I was a kid. Let me
1: tell you why I do this. Does that sound good? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take me take me down uh, story lane. <laughs> sure. When I was in
2: elementary school, so this would be in the early 90s, I was lucky enough to have a guy come to school and teach us about computers. I mean, I think we had a computer or two at that time, but as kids, you know, we didn't really know what they were, really have any idea of how they worked. But this guy came to school with a couple of big cardboard boxes full of computer parts. And I had already, at this point, loved playing with Legos. (laughs) And when he dumped out these cardboard boxes full of computer parts, like, oh, I know how this works. You take this part and you stick it into this part. And he showed us, you know, what the different parts were and then let us go to town on them, putting them together, seeing if we could make something that worked. Some of the parts worked, some of the parts didn't work. But we played with them for a couple hours and I ended up, you know, trying a bunch of different parts, putting them all together, and then I got something where I pushed a button and lights lit up. And I was so excited. And ever since then, I have enjoyed computers and electronics. So today, with Logical Increments, we help people build computers. And we do it in a way that's different. Like these are computers that you build yourself. I don't know if you've ever built a computer before, Chris. I have not, (laughs) which is why I'm speaking to you today. (laughs) Well, if you wanted to try, we have all the information you need. and We do it in a way that's kind of different from how a lot of people do it. Like, I have an Apple laptop. I have a MacBook Air that I love. It's a beautiful piece of hardware. Our computers are a little different. We go for hmm, efficiency in a few different ways. We like people to be able to get the most computing power for their money. And this is helpful, because everybody can use more computing power, and I have a special appreciation for this sort of efficiency. i <laughs> give you a little bit more background about myself. I really like efficiency. I like thinking about big problems, mm-hmm. like a uh, planet's a big place, but it's not that big. Got a lot of people on it and the more efficient that we do things the more everybody can have mm-hmm. so i like to take that to computers get computers that work a little better last a little longer and just just by doing that just by making a little bit better computer if a few hundred thousand or a million people build that little better computer and it lasts them an extra year or two that's you know millions of pounds of waste that gets to stay out of landfills mm. so that's a <laughs> long rambling description of
1: what we do at Logical Increments. Help people build efficient computers that don't end up in landfills. That I guess that in a way that you can keep them going for as long as possible. Exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's an awesome. I, I like your I like your style, and I like how you're going about this. Um, so so, what about you know, that experience of building a PC? Like, what is it deep inside you that like that speaks to you about that experience? Like, uh, for me, when I'm building them,
2: it's just fun. I don't know. It's the same thing that I got as a kid from playing with Legos or mm-hmm. <laughs> building anything. It's it's fun to make something that I don't know to take parts that don't do anything on their own and put them together and have them do something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's
1: pretty cool. Tell me more about your thoughts on VR and efficiency. Like, Do you see that there's a connection here between what VR could give us in terms of efficiency with our time and our lives and all that? Or or, or are you approaching this from a different angle? What's your take?
2: Ah, yes. Efficiency is very important for VR. Especially right now, while we're, well, we're kind of... I don't know, on the edge of VR that is useful? Because VR is, is heavy computationally. It's just, it's a lot of work to do.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Like, to get a good VR experience, like on the Rift, that's just coming out soon, the Rift, the technology there is really cool. It's not anything totally new or unique, but just the combination of... Like the ideas and the technology have kind of gotten to a point where they can be really good.
0: Mm -hmm.
2: But to do that, it really needs to use the cutting edge technology. Like the screen in the Rift is really high resolution, which is good. Because it makes the the screen door effect not so bad. Things are less pixelated. When you've got that screen right in front of your face taking up your whole field of view, you need a lot of pixels for it to look decent. And we're finally getting to that point. The downside of that is that the more pixels you have, the harder it is for your computer to display stuff on all those pixels.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And the other part of VR that's tricky is since you're so immersed in it, you really need it to be responsive or it feels off real quick. You know, you, When you move your head, when you interact some way, if that's clicking a button or clicking your mouse moving around, you expect that to happen, to see that happen, see the response, real quick. So that presents a big challenge to computers. You need powerful hardware, and powerful hardware is not cheap. So for this to be adopted widely, a lot of people have to be able to get powerful
1: computer hardware. Yeah. Let me ask you uh, um, a tangent, tangential—I think I just made up a word—a tangent, tangential question. I think uh, on the graphics cards manufacturers, like in the rate of growth and progress we've seen, do you think that uh, do you think that graphics cards manufacturers have been pushing themselves um, as hard as they would uh, until VR came along? You know, do, do you think like they're they've been holding back because you know, for example, you could run a decent game uh, at 60 frames per second on a two-year-old computer. So they're like, yeah, well, we don't have we, we don't really have a justification to push push the limits of our GPU. So so VR comes along and is all of a sudden there's a fire under their ass. Do you think that that narrative um, that there's truth to this narrative or or you know,
2: Yeah, I think probably for the last couple of years that has been true. I mean, historically, graphics card manufacturers have pushed pretty hard. There's been a nice competition. We've always had good competition. There are two big manufacturers. That helps a lot. Uh, but I think you're right that the last few years we've gotten to a point where graphics cards are good enough. Mm-hmm. and moving to vr will definitely give them more incentive to continue to push it mm-hmm.
1: now i have to ask you this and i and i, and I hope uh we can reach here's a here's a question from someone who um, i'm approaching this subject from the perspective of like i know nothing i really am not <laughs> that knowledgeable about about pc Building, um, as a matter of fact, I own a laptop, and that's been my main mode of using Steam games for the past year or two and a half. And uh-huh. so, yeah, and so I've gone by so far, but not anymore. Um, <laughs> and so, I'm gonna ask you some questions that like are useful to me, <laughs> in hopes that somewhere out there, someone also uh, finds this information useful. And so, the question that I'm, the first question I'm gonna throw at you is: AMD versus NVIDIA, which one should I choose for my future? VR PC that I'm building. Um, Can you walk me through the merits of each company and each uh, hardware component?
2: Sure. AMD and NVIDIA are the two big graphics card manufacturers. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And as I mentioned before, they have been competing fiercely for years to try to make the fastest, best, cheapest hardware. And fortunately, both of them are really good at it. And right now, there is no clear leader for VR or any other use. You can go with either card as long as you're getting something powerful enough, and it'll be good. The other component that is important to performance, there are a bunch of different computer components. The graphics card is the most important one for VR. But the CPU, the processor is also very important for performance, and especially for VR. And again, you have two big choices with companies to go with. You have AMD again, the same AMD that you have for graphics cards. And then you have Intel. Intel has been the big player in CPUs for decades. And here AMD does not put up quite as much competition and right now Intel CPUs I hate to say this because I love competition and I love the better products that we end up with with good competition but right now AMD is just not competitive especially for VR where you need the best performance Intel is pretty clearly in the lead on the high end the kind of stuff you would want to buy for a VR build when it comes to CPU right yeah, when it comes to CPU, okay. yeah, two things. Graphics cards, CPU. So graphics, graphics cards, both are good. Yep. CPU, Intel has an advantage.
1: So, so, at, so at this point you would say to anybody who's interested in, in buying a GPU, um, you, can't, you, you personally can't fall, one, uh, can't fall on one side or, or the other. Like you can't personally recommend one in particular and why that one's better than the other. I mean, it, it seems like they both they they're both going head to head like or in the race that i'm imagining they're both pretty close to each other i would say um but i but i I'm, I'm hoping to get more information from you in terms of like you know which one is perhaps more um less short-sighted than the other you know you see what i'm saying like i do does which which one amd versus nvidia like which one sees vr um of more of a value to them, and is also acting upon that um, mm. versus the other. Which company is trying to make VR more
2: of a priority?
1: Yeah, mm. I
2: I don't know enough to make a serious judgment there. I know that I have seen more of Nvidia working on VR. There's this problem with VR right now, so you need a lot of graphical horsepower, you need a powerful graphics card, and even the most powerful single graphics card that you can get, if you want to spend $1,000 just on the graphics card, even that, for VR, that's, that'll be good enough most of the time. That'll be pretty good, but it would really be nice to have more power. A common way to do that for a while in a gaming computer has been to simply add another graphics card. So you've got two in there working together. Unfortunately, right now, this doesn't really work with VR because of some of the unique challenges of VR. And I'm sure both companies are working on that. I've seen more from NVIDIA. I have higher hopes right now that NVIDIA will get that working better faster. So if you want one reason to choose one or the other,
1: that could be it. Okay. Um so going deeper into Nvidia's graphics card sort of arsenal. Um Titan X versus GTX 980. Um I've heard around and I and I'd like to see if you can help me confirm um that Titan X even though it's a it's a more updated card, the GTX 980 is still better for VR than the Titan X. Um, is that is that true or false, or am I getting some misinformation here? <laughs> <laughs> sure.
2: Yeah, they, each company has a lot of different graphics cards, and it's kind of hard to know what the different advantages and disadvantages are and where it's worth paying more and where it's not worth paying more. And I spend a lot of time thinking about that. So in this case, you've got the GTX 980 and the Titan X, Titan X is currently the most powerful single graphics card. So it would be better, but it costs about twice as much. And you definitely don't get twice as much value for that money. Mm -hmm. So the GTX 980 is the better buy. The best buy, if you can afford it, is the GTX 980 Ti. Which is a little more expensive than the 980 and performs really close to the Titan X. So that's, that's if if you can afford it, that is the card to get for
1: VR. Let's can you give me can you tell me what would be the specs of your dream PC for VR if money were not an issue?
2: Sure, if money was not an issue, then I would want the fastest processor I can get and the fastest graphics cards I can get.
0: Um,
1: Any specifics?
2: (laughs) Yeah. I would get, for the CPU, I would get an Intel i7 5960X which is a monster CPU has 8 cores it's fast a lot of power also quite expensive, but it's the fastest you can get for this sort of build for VR and for graphics cards I would get two of those GTX Titan X's
0: hmm.
1: um, but yet you, you would have to, if you got the two Titan X's um, you'd still have to wait for that support to come to, to, to along to be available, right? Because you are absolutely correct. Yes, that would be
2: that would be me having money as no option and <laughs> betting that sometime soon in the future they're going to figure out this problem with using multiple cards.
1: Do you have any idea, or perhaps even speculative thoughts as to when uh, multiple GPUs will be able to be supported by the RHMDs?
2: Well, they have it working right now on sort of a, I don't know, prototype phase.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. You know, NVIDIA has demonstrated a decent amount of being able to use multiple cards at once. The, The issue with it that they're having trouble with, so VR performance is nothing completely new. It's, you know, the same sort of performance issues we've had forever with computers, but VR presents a couple of new challenges. Eh, I was talking about this before. You have big high-resolution screens and then you need things to happen fast. You know, you, you need the screens to respond really quickly. And that's kind of new. In the past, you know, if you have a game on your screen or on your TV and you're playing and it's you know this 2D screen that you're looking at, a few extra milliseconds of delay between Now, what you're inputting, if you're trying to turn your character around, look in a different direction, extra, you know, even 10 or 100 milliseconds of delay is not a big deal there. But then once you're immersed, those extra milliseconds become a much bigger deal. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: So that delay becomes more of an issue. And so when we come back and try to use two graphics cards... That adds a lot of power, power that can handle that high-resolution VR screen, but it also adds more of that delay that you definitely don't want. And that, that delay is the issue that the graphics card manufacturers are trying to figure out right now.
1: Wow, Interesting. Are there any other bottlenecks um, that you can spot, You know, whether it's on the on the CPU side? Does Intel need more competition so that they can step up their game? Does, you know, uh, do RAM or... Oh, here's another question um, before we shit on Intel later on. I want to <laughs> talk about SSDs. Why is it that SSDs are not um, important in the context of having a, v- a VRPC ready? Rig. Ah. SSDs are important uh,
2: but only sometime like, mm-hmm. an SSD is not going to affect you most of the time it will make things load faster it doesn't change the it doesn't change the performance once you're in say a game or other 3d VR experience uh, mm. SSDs are tricky because they make a big noticeable difference a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Just not usually once you're in the game. If you're... If there's a lot of stuff loading, uh, like big files... <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how to explain this without going into too much technical depth. SSDs are good. If you can get an SSD, especially like on a sort of a dream build like the hardware requirements of VR are high enough that for the amount of money that you're going to be spending on anything that can handle VR, mm-hmm. I would definitely get an SSD in those few situations where it would be helpful. You'll be really glad that you've got it.
0: Oh, nice.
2: <laughs> ah, I can give you a slightly more concrete example of what might happen occasionally without having one is mm-hmm these long pauses where what you see on screen just kind of freezes for a second. That can often happen because your computer doesn't have the data it needs in its RAM or other fast memory, and it needs to go to the hard drive and get it, and that takes a while. So if you have an SSD, that happens a lot faster, and you don't get those second long
1: freezes. Wow, cool. Um, moving on, I want to ask you a bit more about RAM. Um, can you explain to me how RAM uh, is in the orchestra of all the different instruments making music so that you can have a VR experience? What is RAM? <laughs> is, is RAM the trombone? Is RAM the piano? And uh, what I'm asking really is like, what does it do? What is RAM doing um, so that you can have VR? And, and by the way, um, is, is the more RAM the better? Sure.
2: That is a fantastic question. That is a very common question for people to have. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: And people always love to worry about the amount of RAM. I think, I don't know, some armchair psychology here, but RAM is measured in numbers that are really easy to measure, and it's easy to think that more is better. And it is, to an extent. You need to have enough RAM. If you don't have enough RAM, you'll have... Those, similar to not having an SSD, but often you'll have those things where everything freezes. So you want to have enough RAM to avoid that. Mm. And for VR and everything else, this is usually about 8 gigabytes of RAM is good today and for the near future. And having more than that won't be an advantage unless you have a lot of things going on on your computer all at once. Like you have a million browser tabs open, and it would really have to be a lot, like maybe a hundred or something. And you've got videos playing on your other monitors, and you're playing a game and doing a bunch of things at once. That's where RAM comes in handy. And today we can get a lot of RAM relatively inexpensively, so it's not much of an issue. Eight gigabytes is a good amount and more than that 16 is pretty cheap so a lot of people get that and that could be handy in the future mm-hmm. but it won't increase your performance it's just nice to have
1: so the reason why i'm going one by one by all of, uh, going through all the components one by one is because i would like to see if we can put together a build that will last the 2 year life cycle of the Rift, right? So I read somewhere that there, is, that tentatively the Rift will only be released every two years or something like that. Um, yep. So 980 Ti, um, an i7. Um, what about hard drive? Oh, well, an SSD, alright? Um, and do you think 8 gigs of RAM will last the two years? It,
2: yeah, 8 gigs of RAM will last two years. A lot of what limits it for for games specifically, I tend to talk a lot about games because they are actually usually the most demanding thing that a computer gets used for. Mm. So if a computer can handle gaming, it'll handle anything outside of like really specific professional work or scientific computation. Mm. So 8 gigs will be enough for gaming for the next couple of years because it tends to be limited by the current generation consoles because so many things are developed for consoles first and then computers or both at the same time. And the consoles are they're fixed. Their hardware is fixed. They're not going to have more RAM till the next generation comes out.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So yeah, 8 gigs is fine.
1: Thank you, sir. I appreciate your, uh, your, your sound advice. Uh, lastly, hard drive. Um, you know how what what do you recommend in terms of a hard drive? Uh, it seems like the, they're getting really cheap. Um, <laughs> yes. So so that's so it seems like ugh, space won't be a, an issue. Um, but what do you think?
2: Yeah, hard drives today are pretty easy, especially if you have that solid state drive, mm-hmm. because you will install your operating system onto the SSD and your most used games and other software. And then the speed of the hard drive doesn't matter much because it's just going to be there to store your pictures, your videos, your music, all that extra stuff. Mm. So what matters the most, at least to me, would be reliability because I don't like losing all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And hard drive reliability is a tricky thing to get good data on, but everything that I have seen suggests that right now company hgst makes the most reliable hard drives they're a less well-known name they had a they used to be ibm way back in the day and they made some really bad hard drives that got to be notorious they were called the uh death stars (laughs) because they died so much (laughs) but apparently they learned their lesson from that and today they're very reliable so I would recommend an HGST hard drive in whatever size you think you'll need. If you're not
1: sure, two terabytes is a good size. Sweet. Well, I think I think I'm I'm, I'm just about ready to. Um, uh, what you've, about? Oh, go ahead. You've got the core components down. You've got the
2: most. Well, they're all important. If one of them doesn't work, then they all don't work. Yeah. So. The other ones are less... Which specific one you choose doesn't matter quite as much as you, as long as you choose a decent quality one. So you have... Do you want to go through these one by one? Uh,
1: let's go through the notorious ones. <laughs> <laughs> um, the notoriously good and the notoriously bad ones. Aha.
2: Well, these ones... Hmm. A power supply is important because it powers everything in your computer. Mm-hmm. And it takes the dangerous power that comes out of the wall and turns it into less dangerous power that your computer can use. The risk with the power supply is that it handles that dangerous power poorly, which can lead to fires or explosions, things you don't generally want in your house. Yeah, I figured, yeah. So getting a good power supply is important. Uh, there are a lot of manufacturers of power supplies. It's just a less complicated thing to make than like a processor or a graphics card. Uh, there are a lot of good brands, also a lot of bad brands. Uh, good ones? Corsair, Seasonic, EVGA. Uh, these are tricky just because there are so many different ones And different families and models. Mm. It's hard to recommend something specific. Uh, If you go with... mm, I can recommend you one specific one. How about that? Sure. That'd be helpful. Yeah. To power your 980 Ti and your i7. Mm Mm-hmm. How about a Corsair HX750i? This will be very efficient, which, as you know, I appreciate. And also plenty of power for everything. Uh, Very unlikely to fail you. And if it does fail, it's just going to quit instead of
1: exploding or catching on fire. Well, good. That's a good thing. (laughs) We don't like fires or explosions. Um, No, we don't. Especially when we can't see them because we have an H&D on. Uh, But we can smell them. We can smell them. Yes. So at least until we have nose replacements for VR headsets, we're like, you can actually smell what's in VR. Uh, All right. Oh, man, I can't wait. (laughs) Yes, neither can I. Um, What about motherboard? I I forgot to ask you about the motherboard. How important is it? And can you make any personal, any recommendations as to what would be good? Yeah, Motherboard's another one that's kind of tricky because
2: there are a whole bunch of different ones, and the important thing is getting one that's high high quality, but eh, honestly, these days most of the Motherboards you can buy are good. They're not going to die, hopefully. They're also really complicated though, so they do tend to die a lot just because they have so many different little parts on them that could all fail and make the whole thing fail, but good ones Mm. Asus Mm. is a company known for making very good motherboards the important thing with the motherboard is that it has all of the features that you want um, which is kind of tricky because there are a bunch of different acronyms and numbers and they're all kind of important depending on what you're doing for your build I'll give you one for your i7 Mm. hmm depends on what i7 you're getting though. Uh, this is (laughs) this is why I can do what I can do because there are so many different parts and they all have so many little differences that matter sometimes and not other times
1: yeah is there an i7 out there that's like tailor made for gaming for example or no Kind of, yeah. Right now,
2: hmm, even that is tricky, though. Right now, there's this strange issue that... Ooh, Sorry, I'm thinking forward to discussing Intel's lack of competitiveness right now. Let's talk about it. Let's, let's go there. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Intel right now, I mentioned before, there are two big CPU manufacturers, two, two companies that make processors. Intel, who has been the big player forever and AMD who was this uh, this scrappy upstart in the 90s who kind of came out of nowhere and took the crown away from Intel for a little while and they're still competitive but much less so today intel is clearly in the lead they have the better manufacturing technology and their CPUs just end up being better they're more efficient they use less power they're faster they're more expensive and Intel for the last few generations, their CPUs haven't gotten that much faster. Like the current best CPU for gaming is actually the previous generation i7 4790K. This is still the best value for gaming for a high end build. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is it's not the newest anymore. There is a newer... Actually, there are two two new generations of processors. Mm -hmm. The later version, the newer version, is the i7-6700K. It's two manufacturing technology versions newer, but it's not actually any faster. Faster in a few select things, but overall about the same speed as that i7 4790 and that is definitely because Intel doesn't have much competition right now from AMD they're they keep making things better they keep improving but they are holding back they could have a lot more performance for what
1: you pay mm. So I see there's uh okay so there seems to be a bottleneck in progress in in a way because of the monopoly that Intel has on the CPU world.
2: Yeah, it's a little combination of that monopoly and also as we were talking about with graphics cards before VR, we've kind of reached a point where for your average person Getting a faster CPU, getting the fastest CPU, doesn't make much of a noticeable difference. Hmm. Most games don't take advantage of the extra speed, and things like, you know, browsing the web, checking your email, watching videos on YouTube, those things, those don't benefit from much speed increase at all. You can get a $100 CPU and you won't notice much difference between that and the thousand-dollar CPU for those kind of everyday
1: tasks. Hmm. So, could we say that, in the context of the mobile VR world, um, I view the battery as sort of the Gordian knot, or the or the weakest link. Um, in the context of the PC VR um, world, is is the CPU sort of the weakest link, or the thing that should should theoretically be improving yet? at a certain rate, and yet it's not?
2: No, it, that's definitely the graphics card, although the graphics card hmm. is improving pretty quick. So I think we're going to see a lot of improvement there pretty fast. Just continuing historical trends. Graphics power should continue increasing quite a bit, and that'll help VR a lot. Definitely. The CPU is less of a bottleneck. Like Even VR is more demanding than most things that have been happening recently. Most things you would need a powerful CPU for.
1: But CPUs are pretty good for even VR. Sweet. Well, that's good news. Um, I want to ask you about, do you know of any changes or any um, things in the horizon that will affect... um, my buying choices right now, for example, like, uh, is it you know what is um, I keep hearing Vulcan ah. is coming out. People are waiting for Vulcan, I don't know what Vulcan is. If you can explain that, that'd be nice. Um, I know that Intel's work, you know, is Intel coming out with something new? Um, I, I read on the blog post on your site, um, th- is that there's I think NVIDIA or someone is wo- working on multi s- multi res shading or multi, I gotta look for the word. Um, one second, but go ahead. Yeah. Let me know. Do you, or do you know of any, um, things on the horizon that I should look out for? Sure. Yeah.
2: In an unknown amount of time, probably about six months, NVIDIA and AMD are both going to release their next generation graphics cards. Mm-hmm. And it's too early to say for sure how much of a difference that will make, but they will certainly be more powerful. And they're built on new manufacturing technologies, which means they will also be more efficient. So if you're not planning on building a computer anytime now or upgrading in the next six months, that would be worth waiting for.
1: Multi-resolution shading. That's what I was wanted to ask you about. Um. <laughs>
2: multi-resolution shading i don't even know what that is <laughs> i'm
1: sorry <laughs> okay no worries um yeah that's a software thing that nvidia is working on um but yeah so in the context of the overall market or the industry the the, the pc parts and the just the pc industry you know how big of a boost do you think vr is gonna give to this industry are, are you you know are, are, are you watching the market in that sense Oh yeah, definitely. It it really depends on how quickly VR
2: takes off. Uh, I mean, like I was mentioning that VR requires serious hardware to run well, to have a good really good VR experience in a way that hasn't been true for a long time. Mm-hmm. Like games, you can turn down the settings a little bit and they'll run fine on older hardware. VR, you just can't really do that because the requirements are so high. You need to have enough pixels so that things look clear enough and it has to run fast enough so that it doesn't make you sick. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I don't, know, I don't know if you have this problem with VR. I love VR. It's so cool. It's what... Like, the first time I put on the first development kit for the Oculus Rift... I was blown away. Wow, this is what I've been wanting ever since I've been a kid. This is so cool. And seeing that happen is really neat. But even that first one, the immersion was there, but the quality, pretty quick, is not real usable for a lot of things. But we're getting to that point now. But it requires that hardware. It It needs it. And there's not... Any fancy way around? We can't
1: cheat the physics. What do you think it's going to take for VR to become mainstream? Um, you, you mentioned earlier that it's or, or the or what do you think is going to drive adoption? You know, what sorts of components or or or, or, or factors?
2: <laughs> I've got one guess for something that is guaranteed to drive adoption that has always drove adoption of new technologies for the last decades. Do you know what that might be? Price? Uh, oh, yeah. Price will be important. And that's a tricky one right now because mm-hmm. all this stuff is expensive. And a lot of people are not going to be able to afford it. And it's going to require, I don't know, compelling things that you can do on VR that you can't do elsewhere. Right. Things that people just really want to experience. And I don't know exactly what that'll be. I wish I did. Uh, I, think, I think porn will probably be one of them. That's the one that I was talking about. I don't know if you know the story of how VHS won out over Betamax or I think even, what was it, Blu-ray that won out over HD DVD? Largely driven by porn?
0: Whoa.
1: Crazy to think about. (laughs) I knew about the VHS one. I did not know about the Blu-ray thing. But I'm not surprised. Um, Because we are part Bonobo after all. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. So
2: I'm sure that'll help out
0: VR.
1: And that's good for all of us if VR catches on quicker. What are you in particular looking forward to um, to experience in VR? What I really want to experience... I love history.
0: Hmm.
2: I want to go back to... You know, Rome 2,000 years ago and wander around the city. I want to go to, you know, like go see the pyramids in Central America. I want to, I want to be there. And I know that's going to happen. I don't know how long it'll take.
0: But
1: I can't wait for that. Would you, what would you say are, is, uh, by the way, have you tried the HTC Vive or the Rift yet?
2: I have not tried the, Newest version of The Rift.
1: I have not tried The Vive. Okay. Um, So you're in Malaysia right now. Do you live there, by the way?
2: Uh, I have been here about half the time recently. I go back and forth between Malaysia and
0: Seattle. Oh, cool.
1: Um, Can I ask you why you go to Malaysia (laughs) on a public podcast? (laughs) (laughs) Sure, yeah. We've got an office here.
2: My co-founder lives in Malaysia. Oh, cool. How do you like living or living there or, or hanging out over there and doing work? Uh, Malaysia is an interesting place. It's nice this time of year because it's warm and sunny here. I definitely appreciate that. In Seattle, I love Seattle. Seattle's a great city, but when it gets to the eight months of gray, gloomy, rainy winter, <laughs> it drives me a little bit crazy. I miss the sunshine mm vitamin D is very important oh yes, so I like coming here and getting sun. I love the warm tropical water can go out and swim forever and go diving that's nice. nice
1: and what are in, in in terms of in in the context of v r what what do you see yourself or logical increments doing in terms of you know your real, real uh, your role in the future
2: ah uh, for us mm-hmm The big thing is going to be helping people build computers to handle VR. We've got, I don't know if you saw, I'm pretty sure you saw our guide. Yep. And we'll probably expand on that. I mean, right now we have, kind of our thing is that we help people build the best computer that they can to do whatever it is they want to do and fit inside of their budget. And that's particularly tricky with VR, just because it is so demanding. But as we move forward and get better, the VR hardware and software should hopefully become more accessible, a little cheaper for everybody. So just kind of keeping up with that, keeping up with the requirements of the different VR headsets. Some of them are pretty different in their specs and the computer hardware that they need.
1: How fast is it all advancing in your mind? Is it um, are, are the is, is the hardware sp- is the hardware space in the context of VR is it advancing at a pace that you can keep up with, or you know are you like damn move faster? How do you feel about this? But <laughs> well, the VR hardware
2: is moving fast. I mean, the difference that we've seen from that first version of the Rift to now is pretty big. And most of that's happening with... Well, I shouldn't say most of it, because I'm less familiar with the, the various motion sensors and head tracking. But the screens, the screen technology is moving really fast, and that has benefited from cell phones. Like, the screens in these VR devices are pretty much the same screens that are going into high-end smartphones. And just in the last few years, the resolution that you can get, the number of pixels, the pixel density that has all increased really fast which has been great for VR because that's also really important for VR and I don't know how much longer that will continue like, I don't know how far they can push that Like, how tiny can you make a pixel before you just run out of atoms and you can't make it anymore and how much benefit do you get from continuing to push it smaller and smaller any guesses as to how long before we run out of atoms for pixels? <laughs> I don't think... For screens, I don't think that'll be our limiting factor. Although, on the other side, on the computer hardware side, that is actually getting to be a limiting factor. Like Intel, as much as I bashed them before for (laughs) not making as powerful of hardware as they could because of the lack of competition, their manufacturing technology is incredible. The... The amount of stuff that they pack into a tiny little space is just crazy. So these big CPUs might have billions of transistors in them. And billions, that's a lot. That's that's like if you took a roadmap of the entire planet and packed it onto a little glass chip the size of your thumbnail. That's a... That's the order of magnitude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's, it's impossible to wrap your mind around. It's just, it's too big. I mean, you know, we can come up with analogies and approximations, but it's just, it's so big and so small. And they are literally running out of atoms because they're making things so small. If you look at a scanning electron microscope image of these little bits inside of a CPU, you can see the individual atoms crazy crazy advanced tiny technology
1: i love it, it. <laughs> it's it's amazing it's um it's like it's the thing that makes me wonder whether we're in a reality or in a simulation uh, because eventually <laughs> right? and i wonder how long it'll take before and this this is where i'd love to get your thoughts on like the human eye can see at a certain resolution i think it's somewhere between 32k or something like that per eye or right. 16k per eye, I can't, one, either or, it's a giant number that we don't have, or we we we're just currently we don't have the technology, right? We don't have those screens that can put out 16k or 32k, like, and right, and so, do you see a world in in which that's possible? Do you think that definitely we're going in that direction? Nothing's going to stop us now, or are you more hesitant about this? You know, possible future where we're, where we're actually going to have screens that, are, that have the p- pixel density of the human, human eye.
2: I think we will definitely get there. I don't know how long it will take. How long it will take will probably depend on how much it's worth developing from the companies. Like As long as people are willing to pay for the best screens, we will keep getting better and better screens. So I think we'll get to the point pretty quickly where, like in a VR headset, you don't see the pixels anymore. Mm-hmm. I think that's not too far away. A couple years, a few years. Although that also, that makes the hardware requirements even higher. And like I mentioned with the Intel CPUs, well, they're, where they're running out of atoms... CPUs are going to continue to get faster despite that. It's just going to slow down because it gets harder and harder to make things better and faster. So that side I'm actually a little bit more concerned about than I am the screens themselves just because the screens
1: need the hardware to drive them. Right. Um, Orion, or, or Orion, right? Yep, Orion. Okay, good. Oh. Uh, do you have any final thoughts before we start bringing things to a close anything that's lingering in your mind that you'd like to bring up oh not really
2: I I don't know I think VR is really cool I'm so happy to see it becoming a thing and I really oh actually I have a question for you
0: mm-hmm.
2: so for me I love VR but I can't handle it for more than 5 or 10 minutes before I start to feel real sick hmm and that has happened with all of the sets that I've tried. I'm wondering if you know
1: how common that is. Yeah, so you have yet to try the newest Rift. And I haven't tried the newest Rift. And you haven't tried room-scale VR through the Vive, right? No. That makes a huge difference. Um, ah. Both, both of, okay, so I'll, I'll be honest with you. By far, the Vive has the best in terms of like um zero simulation sickness experience by by far because you're you're walking you have agency there's something there's some form of a neural pathway circuit that is being fulfilled and therefore your brain is like well i guess i'm somewhere else this this is all right because i'm walking around in it um but with the rift it's it's really fucking good um and I think it's it's there's there's two opposing ideologies behind you know the the how they develop the hardware and the software. With the Vive, you know, you'll go you'll see a lot of talks where Chet Felinsk, I think his last name is, I think I murdered it, but he'll go up and talk about like you know, the idea of developing VR legs is wrong. No one should have <laughs> to develop VR legs. And you know, he's talking he tells developers like don't make anything that's going to make people sick period just just don't um whereas oculus they used to be like that but they've become more willing to experiment um and so i'm torn i'm really am torn because i like experimentation i feel like we should be experimenting um even though you know it might make me a little bit nausey like nauseated um some experiences are worth it so uh, you know i I've played a lot of uh, War Thunder on the DK two. I played a lot of Team Fortress two on the DK two. Um, and there is something to be said about VR legs. Um, maybe I'm a masochist. Maybe I like. <laughs> maybe I, you know, maybe my, I, I've, you know, I've, my conscience has decided that, you know, yes, this is painful, uh, but at a certain point you're just gonna get used to it, and so it's worth it. Um, but, yeah, it's, um, by far, the room scale is the best, you know, experience when it comes to, you know, minimizing simulation sickness. Um, and seeing your hands, that makes a big difference, too. Seeing, you know, if, even if they're the guans or even if they're, like, the Oculus Touch controllers, like, seeing your hands also adds another layer of, you know, perceptual sort of foundation we're like okay i'm here somehow i'm here it's and it kind of works um but it's but it's all gonna end up being kind of subjective i think i think you're gonna have to try both and you're gonna have to you know figure it out the hard way you know one one moment you're gonna be you know flying through whatever and your next moment you're in the toilet and then you're gonna be like all right i gotta make a choice in my life do i want (laughs) to keep doing this do i do i And, and yeah and i made the choice of yeah i'm gonna keep fighting it you know mind over body Mind over body is a pretty good way of saying it, except in the situation of holding in a fart. No one should ever say that. Like, <laughs> like, that's a good, like, it's a nice rule to think about, but there should be a caveat. You know, mind over body, except when you have to hold a, a fart, because it's like, it's painful, dude. It's painful. <laughs> but yeah, But yeah, I hope I answered your question.
2: <laughs> yeah, okay, that's good to hear that different experiences lower the sickness so for you it sounds like you
1: did experience the sickness but you kind of powered through it yeah and it's better now it's 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 better now because of the resolution it's better now because of the tracking um it's better um it, it, a lot it makes you know what else makes a difference um if you sit in an, in a really dark room um yeah. turn off all your lights um, and then, you know, just just let the light from the headset be the only thing that, you know, filters in through your brain. Um, that's helped me. Um, but, yeah. Uh-huh. So you can
2: get used to it. That's good, because that's been my plan is just, you know, I'll survive, and hopefully it'll get better. <laughs> hopefully my brain will figure out, ah, oh, this isn't actually killing you. It's all right. Because <laughs> in my mind, what's happening to me is, You know, I'm experiencing this cool experience, and my eyes and my ears are saying, hey, I'm here. I'm flying around. Mm -hmm. But then my inner ear and the rest of my body saying, no, no, I think you're sitting in a chair. And my brain's thinking, oh, man, what's going on? All right. um, hmm. What did you eat today? Did you eat any questionable mushrooms or maybe something was a little off? I think we better just get rid of everything just to be safe.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> um, the so even though the, the two schools of thought in terms of you know how to develop for VR uh, give you really different outcomes in terms of the you know final experience, I I think that um, you know there is something to be said about neuroplasticity. You know the brain is plastic. Um, and people who want and, and and there used to be a time where like people used to get sick. Like Jason Rubin was talking about this. Like there used to be a time when people used to get sick, um, or thrown up from playing Doom, or uh, you know Wolfenstein back in the day. You know, right. And, and yeah. Intuitivity like playing. You know. Right. Um,
2: and, yeah, I've seen that with my friends that haven't played video games much, and then they'll watch me playing something 3D and get sick just from that. And that's kind of what. Makes me worried and gives me hope at the same time. Hope that I can power through it, and makes me worry that this is the day that I am old. I'm old and I can't do what the kids are doing anymore. Them and their crazy 3D. <laughs> yeah,
1: you know. All right. It, 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 in I, I've been researching a little bit about neuroplasticity. Um, so so there's I can give you some tips to increase, you know, the plasticity in your brain. Um, one of them. Is exercise. Exercise by far, no matter what anybody tells you. I've been I've been watching all the TED Talks on this, and the number one thing that you can do is exercise. That you know, it just makes your brain circuitry grow. Um, the other thing is, yeah, have some nice friendships um, and and people you can go to. Um, the other one is diet. Diet is good. Um, specifically, almonds. Apparently, almonds are pretty good um, to keeping your neuroplasticity. And lastly, I would say laughter. Laugh a lot. Watch a lot of comedy. Um, somehow that increases neuroplasticity. Um, what you should not do um, to... And again, this is in the context of being in VR, right? Like to, to be able to like adapt to VR the best. Don't be depressed because that fucks up your neuroplasticity. Don't go through chronic stress because that fucks up your neuroplasticity. And if you want to adapt to VR better, um, make sure you're monitoring your mood. Make sure you're really happy or you're laughing a lot. Um, and you're just taking things... I don't know life a little bit more lightly in a way. Um, <laughs> sure, <laughs> um, that's that's interesting. That's not the kind of advice that I would expect
2: to get for make your VR experience better, but it totally makes sense. I mean, that's that's the same advice that's important got, for like every aspect of life, right? Like, yeah,
1: I mean, eat well, we, exercise, we, have good friends, it makes everything better. It, it's one of those. It's it's funny enough. It's like one of those things where like. Um, as an at least for me personally, as an adult, you grow up um, and you, one you don't realize you're grown up because holy shit, time just flies and don't blink, <laughs> motherfucker, because all of a sudden you're 60. But then also, once you slow down and think about it, you're like, holy shit, I have to retrain myself to eat vegetables, I have to retrain myself to drink water because those things are important, not you know, this <laughs> other stuff. It's it's weird, man. But I, I like the I like this conversation, I enjoyed it a lot because we've talked about how to prepare. Your hardware, your PC hardware for VR, and your wetware. Um, your, <laughs> your, your I like it for VR. So it's, um, I'm I, total I, VR preparation. My body and everything else is ready for uh, for this for this thing that's coming. Um, yeah, man, I'm excited. How do you feel about the price point? Just last last questions, throwing at you. Uh,
2: oh, $600. that price point.
1: Oh yeah, I've been
2: thinking about that a lot because people have been very upset, as I'm sure you've noticed. And my perspective on it is, like, I look at the hardware that they put into it and that it is this whole new thing, and I think $600 is totally, Hmm. it's not reasonable in the sense that it's going to be affordable, people can actually buy it and use it, which sucks, but it's the better of the two options they had. I think they had two options, and one was make good hardware that's expensive and option two is make shitty hardware that's affordable and out of those two options i like the good hardware
0: yeah
1: i also think from a and maybe this is a complete bullshit theory um but i think that that maybe they're also trying to make vr or or, or make a or create a a rift ha ah, see what i did there uh, between <laughs> the perception that vr or that the oculus rift is just a gaming device and by them putting a price that matches kind of like the xbox 1 and the you know ps4 at 350 400 you know people are going to be like oh it's just another gaming headset but if but if by making it a little more expensive they can say you know when people ask why is this more expensive oh it's because you can do so much more you know it's, it's the reason why phones are you know, eight hundred dollars, um, because you can do so much more. I, don't, I I don't know. Maybe that. Maybe I'm just trying to justify <laughs>
0: or figure out a way
1: the how this this makes sense. Um, but but it hey, you know, it's um, <sighs> it's gonna happen. <laughs> it, you know, it's just VR is here to stay. That's one thing that I keep going back to. Like VR is here to stay. You know, the scale and the and the growth rate of growth is is up for anybody's guess. That's for sure. Right. That'd be interesting to see, indeed. Um, all right, or Orion? No, it's not Orion. Orion, <laughs> there you are, Orion. All right, I need neuroplasticity. I got to train my brain to say your name better next time. um Orion, <laughs> dude, you've been an awesome guest. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I like really. I think I'm. I think my wallet isn't ready, but me mentally, I'm ready for this PC, Dream PC that I like to build um, for VR. <laughs> so thank you so much for your time and your awesome knowledge. How can people stay in touch and follow up what you're doing and all that good stuff? Hmm. Find
2: me on Logical Increments on our About page. There's contact info for me there. You can get me on email. That is the best way. Or actually, I'll just give you my email, orion at logicalincrements.com.
1: Boom. All those awesome links will be in the show notes. Uh, Again, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thank you for having me, and when you're ready to build that VR PC, let me know.